Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're taking a look at Mortal Kombat. Yes! The fight of the century's finally arrived. We're excited to talk about it. This is, of course, the new film that just came out in theaters <laughs> and on HBO Max, for those of you watching at home. We're also going to take a look at the Oscars, the, uh, what is this, 93rd Academy Awards, Andy? 91st? Something like that. 90-something. Something like that. 90-something. We're going to talk about the winners. We're going to talk about the losers, the snubs. we got all the goods. We're going to talk about some trailers that are coming up, some things you're going to want to keep an eye out for at your local cinema. And of course, first things first, we need to get to the news. Our first story this week, Sony Films will move to Disney after their Netflix window expires. Andy, for those of us who don't know what this means, what does this mean? <laughs> yeah, so this uh, sounds a little complicated, uh, but there's two parts to this. Uh, the first thing... Sony has inked a deal with Netflix that after a film is done with its theatrical run, it'll go to Netflix for 12 to 18 months. So that's kind of its first run of streaming or post theater distribution. And then after that, when it hits the 18 month uh, mark, it will then go to Disney be owned by Disney, Disney plus. Uh, so it'll go on Disney plus as well as be able to use, be used in all their other kind of services, ABC, ESPN, whatever whatever else so like the, the big news is that it will be all of sony properties will be distributed by disney after 18 months of release yeah uh obviously sony has quite the library to contend with i mean some of the more modern features are going to be things like spider-man into the spider-verse or any of the recent spider-man i guess any of the cinematic spider-man films you've seen including like toby Maguire forward right all of them uh hotel transylvania jumanji franchises some big hits obviously for netflix they're gonna have a great home on disney plus as well why do we know why there's like a year and a half on one service and they jump to another? I guess this is just how big companies make big deals, right? Like that's just yeah. How it I I, out. I assume it's a uh, it's a fee thing, you know. Uh, I, I read somewhere recently that Netflix isn't um, they're interested in new properties and not continuing old properties. Like that's why they that's why a lot of times they'll cancel a successful series after like two or three seasons because that doesn't help you get new subscribers you need new content to get new subscribers so that's why they're willing to pay a premium and probably pay more up front to have that initial streaming time i think uh obviously it's a good move for disney right to try to get spider-man on their platform it's weird you're gonna have to wait a year and a half to do it but ultimately like that'll be the juice will be worth the squeeze i would bet they'd probably try to continue to hold on to it even after that naturally because of its alignment with the other marvel movies you think disney's ever going to take a swing at buying spider-man back can they i mean it's going to be i know they I mean, just they, bought 20th century fox but like Sony would charge an exorbitant amount of money for that property right yeah i mean D disney has the mouse has the pockets if they really wanted to <laughs> it's, it's true deep pockets on that mouse that's no joke uh our next story mortal kombat is actually killing it at the box office, which is nuts. $22.5 million in a surprise battle with Demon Slayer over the weekend. Demon Slayer being a Japanese anime that uh, is coming out of Japan and came out over the weekend as well. That didn't do so hot here. I think it did much better in Japan, no surprise. Mortal Kombat, meanwhile, has managed to top it, which would, I mean, depending on what you think of the film, we'll get to our review in a minute. It might be a bit of a surprise. Andy, what do you think about this? Uh, so these are actually both uh, really successful films. Um, Mortal Kombat coming in at, at twenty million, and then Demon Slayer actually just short of twenty million, and that's actually setting records itself. Demon Slayer is the, uh, I guess, the highest grossing for both foreign film and animated 
film kind of opening or foreign animated film opening the weekend and demon slayer has made like 400 million uh overseas so it's actually doing really well abroad and and here but mortal kombat did even better and then we also had another story that um mortal kombat actually had over three and a half million views on hbo max which i guess they're able to to measure in some way now so a really successful opening uh for that movie yeah, uh, regarding those HBO Max views, I, I did a little looking into that. So that those stats come out of a site called Samba.tv, who basically polls HBO Max viewers and they report back. HBO does not release their numbers. Pretty much none of their streaming services do. So we're going off of like rough estimates, but that's probably the most accurate depiction we have. Safe to say Mortal Kombat is getting a lot of eyes on it. Godzilla vs. Kong killed it a couple weeks ago at the box office. Now Mortal Kombat's doing great. Andy, are we headed for like the golden age of box office films or are they just are, are bad movies getting love because there's nothing else to watch? Well, well, there, maybe a little bit of both. Lot. Yeah, there's a lot going on. First of all, yes, there there are people are have been tired of being cooped up and with, you know, vaccinations being more widespread, people are beginning to venture out to the theaters. Also, theaters have something new to show. That's also a big deal. Uh, there was another article I read today in Forbes uh, that was saying, you know, people were worried that this hybrid release was really going to hurt theaters. But in fact, it's it's really helped because it's given theaters content that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten had they done theater only um distribution if they hadn't been on at hbo max the uh warner brothers probably just would have held on to the property because they would have bombed so it's really helped uh theaters get, get more people might have bombed we don't know hold on we have a, we'll get to our review we'll see um Mortal well Kombat's might might, might have bombed sure. because of of co- covid reasons not because yes, of not being that makes movie. sense one thing worth mentioning in here, I know I kind of skated over Demon Slayer, but for what it's worth, uh, Demon Slayer, like Andy said, is the top grossing film of all time in Japan at more than $361 million since it's come out. It's also reportedly the biggest anime ever. Um, should we watch more anime movies on this show, Andy? Is that... <laughs> Absolutely. If, if I had watched the seat, the seat, the I mean, it's got like 100 yeah. episodes, but... Right. Had... I'm not caught up on that anime at all. Um, yeah, I just finished so, an, a- an anime yeah. that had like 24 episodes and it took me a while to get through it. So. We've watched we've watched some anime movies on the show before. I don't know. Yeah. Ever since ever since reading that the Oscars snub anime films, I was like, that's not true. And I thought about it and I was like, oh God, they totally do. I'm thinking maybe, totally maybe we need a little bit more representation on off script. So, you know, we'll keep an eye out for it. Uh, one more story to go. And this one's actually about the Oscars. We'll be talking about that towards the end of the show. Uh, Oscar viewership has... Risen to 10.4 million uh, in final numbers. This year's Oscars remains the least watched and lowest rated Academy Awards ever. Um, originally, yeah. <laughs> it was reported that the numbers were like say, 9.3 this, million. Yeah, I was going to say this. This title is is it's really, bad. It's well, it's it's flipped. It makes it sounds like it's good when the numbers are horrifically low. Yeah, it's it's not great, Andy. Why didn't anybody watch the Oscars this year? It's the greatest celebration of cinema. Wait, what, what happened? There's, there's a number of. First of all, it was impossible to watch, and this was yes. the reason. I and I, I, I mean, I've watched the Oscars almost every year since like 2000, like 20, literally 20 years of watching the Oscars. Yep, and it was just impossible to watch, despite all our incredible technology and streaming and on-demand video. There was nowhere to watch it. You, the only way to watch it is if you had a paid TV subscription to like ABC or some of these other. It's like sixty-five dollars a month for those subscriptions. Yeah. So I don't have that, and I don't know anyone else who who does. Or you know, you kind of need a regular cable, and there was no way to watch despite you know all the technology, smart TVs, Twitch streaming. 
PVOD. None of it. <sighs> yeah, um, man. Because I, I would have paid. I would have shelled out money to to be able to wa- just watch it on kind of on demand. So it was, right. it's really, really ridiculous. If people are willing to pay $25 to watch Jake Paul beat up like an, a half-retired fighter, why, why can't we pay to watch like the Oscars once a year? I, I would be willing to throw 10 bucks at that. Or we could do like a pay-per-view thing and just like a title fight, get together at somebody's house, have a watch party, everybody chips in, somebody brings beer. Why can't we do that? Because the Oscars won't adapt to streaming services and I don't get it. Every year it's been baffling. And this is like our third or fourth year covering the Oscars uh, on off script. And this year, like in particular, it's so much worse. And I think it's because... Every Everybody's just been cooped up inside all year. And on top of not having a great run of movies to actually put put in consideration for the Oscars, there's no good way to watch it. We're all used to watching things at home. What the hell, Academy? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the big reasons. It's just difficulty to actually watch the thing. Um, you know, I've been watching obsc- obscure uh, <laughs> chess tournaments that I can easily watch, you know, find 10, 15 channels of. But I can't watch a mainstream like award show, and they're all all like that. Um, I think one of the reasons that is is that the demographics for the Oscars are generally a little bit older, definitely people with that still have cable TV, and so I think maybe that's the the strategy there. Um, another reason that some people pointed is out out is like you said, it's been a weak year at the movies. Uh, a lot of smaller movies came out, but a lot of big blockbuster things just didn't, and so a lot of the movies that were in in the running are things no one had seen yeah it's frustrating uh, apparently to read it from this uh, deadline article this year the three hour plus academy awards was available online there were options you could watch it on hulu plus live uh abc.com youtube tv and the abc app which means in all of those you had to input at some point your television provider information because you have to have a cable package i right. mean well all with of youtube those... tv you technically don't right but you're basically still paying for cable at that point yeah all of those services are a 65 dollar a month fee yeah i don't so. get it i mean I'm, i mean honestly to, to, to bring it full circle to mention that jake paul fight i was talking about earlier at least when that happened a couple weeks ago i could find a stream of it like on twitch i could find somebody <laughs> legally streaming it people the people in gen z don't even care enough to illegally stream the oscars because there's not enough buzz or anything cool happening this year they tried to make some efforts right they hired steven son or not steven seinheim uh what steven is his soderberg. name soderberg. soderberg thank you to actually direct the feature it was in union station they shut that down for three days uh you know th- there were some things they were doing but ultimately i don't know if it was enough because nobody could actually watch the thing it just seems like a huge misstep to me well i also think award shows in general are kind of a thing of the past like they were great in the pre-internet time when everyone you know the movies that came out were the only things to see and when you you know when the something like the oscars or the grammys came on it was you know the entire nation the culture could kind of revolve around it but now it's just there, there's no it's just such an old school thing and it's kind of out of place and it, it really needs to modernize or update or something yeah no i, I think you're right I, I don't have a good answer um but i just <laughs> if you want to get if you want to get eyes on your product you just need to put it in front of people right like that's kind of the basics i don't you know the oscars airs on abc why wasn't it on disney plus i I think there's got to be a lot of households asking that question hopefully disney gets on the horse and rides these people to get it on there next year be great money for them be great money for the academy more eyes would be on it think of the memes andy think of the memes yeah there yeah i mean there's definitely some memes being left out here we kind of can't forget meme potential it's true no meme culture where where are the gifts the, the next day of like somebody tripping when they're walking up the stairs at the oscar like it just doesn't happen right like you don't see any of that stuff 
The most I've seen of the Oscars so far is what I've read. And ultimately what's important is the results, who won, who didn't. And that's what we're going to talk about towards the end of the show. But for now, this is a bit disappointing in my humble opinion. So whatever, Academy. Oh, I hope you, oh, you're going to get yours, but not in the ratings. Uh, with that being said, we should move on to our first and only film for review this episode. Like I said, we're doing trailers and Oscars after this, so stay tuned. I'll be taking the summary on this. The movie is Mortal Kombat. A dragon marking? I think it's an invitation to fight for something known. Mortal Kombat. So, Mortal Kombat is the timeless story of eternal struggle between fighters and beings of different dimensions. Uh, the, 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 the demons of Outworld have come to Earth and they want to take over our planet and, and enslave all of humanity. Only a select group of fighters led by MMA fighter Cole Young have the ability to stop them and stand up against the enemies of Outworld and a high-stakes battle for the universe. Mortal Kombat is based on the video game series of the same name. It started way back in the 80s and is, this, is the reason video games have ratings today because Mortal Kombat was too bloody <laughs> and parents right. couldn't take it. Mortal Kombat is infamously gory. It is a fighting game where you're throwing these fighters against each other with their crazy powers and pulling fatalities and ripping skulls off of necks and spines and putting holes. It's, 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 it's it's great stuff if you haven't had the chance to play it. There was a film in 95 called Mortal Kombat. There's a film in 97 called Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Other than that, there has been no cinematic presence in Mortal Kombat until now. The movie came out on, in, on HBO Max and in 3D at theaters around the country if they were open near you. I'm excited to talk about it. But first things first, Andy, what did you think of Mortal Kombat? <laughs> I was really disappointed. I thought I, I was really looking forward to this. I'm a, I'm a video game fan. I'm a fan of Mortal Kombat. I saw the originals like in theater when I was a kid. Uh, really stoked for this. And what I liked about the, these trailers is that it looked really grown up. It looked like we were going to kind of get a more like mature story, some really cool uh, fight scenes and fatalities stuff. And it was absolutely terrible. Like I, I was so angry and I think I was angry because I was sold a movie that it turned out not to be. It turned out to be very campy, very actually really boring. I was bored in the middle of it because there's all this like story they're trying to develop. Um, the fights were not good. The fights weren't entertaining. You know, I was thinking about how we saw Godzilla vs. Kong. That That isn't an Oscar winning movie, but you show, you show up to see the monsters fight. Here I'm looking for bloody gory fights, you know, and in the age of things like John Wick and uh, The Raid and other action, Marvel's action movies. Like, you expect top-notch action, and this, the fight scenes were so lame. Like, you could t tell they were actors good doing fight choreography, um, and it was overall really disappointing. But there were a few positive things that we can get into, but those are my initial thoughts. So I mostly agree. Um, this movie definitely has problems. This is another classic example of, like, really good trailer really poor execution in, in the film. Cause the trailer presents really strongly. The, pre the trailer presents this movie as like no camp, all serious, cool Hollywood effects and shots and looking stuff. The trailer features like it's, it's a highlight reel of all the cool stuff in the movie, which is what a trailer is supposed to be. Andy did me a great service before he watched this movie. He watched it before me and he shot me a message and he was like, this might be the worst film of the year. <laughs> 
which was good because that lowered my expectations to a point where I was like, I know it's going to be bad. Let me just go in, see what it's about. And I think I came off a little bit more glowing than Andy, but ultimately I'm very glad I watched this movie on HBO at home. Had I paid to watch this in theaters, be I would so angry been right now. Yes, but watching it on HBO, it works out great. So let's talk about Mortal Kombat. Um, I think the best place to probably start is our loose plot, right? Uh, our plot follows the formula of the games and the previous films. Every year, there is a mighty tournament between fighters of, of various dimensions called Mortal Kombat. And all these weird kooky fighters with powers show up and they get down to it to see who's the best of the best. If Earth, if, if any, how's it work? If any dimension loses 10 years in a row, then their world gets taken over by Outworld, basically. Yeah. See, you're demonstrating one of the issues with the movie is it gets way into like way too into the lore and way too into the weeds. Like you just need to have right. a tournament of people fighting. That's that's very true. Yeah, it, it definitely gets too far into it. And and oh gosh, I'm gonna lose my train of thought. No, no, no I can do this. I'm I can sorry. do this. I can do this. <laughs> At this point in the film, Earth has lost nine years in a row, which means if Earth loses to Outworld one more time, it's over. All of humanity is enslaved. Everything goes down. Earth's only hope is a select group of fighters who have learned about Mortal Kombat and have these weird tattoos that are like exactly the... They're not tattoos. They're like Birth scars. Mar Birth birthmarks. Yes. Birthmarks that are exactly the shape of like the Mortal Kombat symbol. Let them know they're a, mortal, they're, they're a fighter in Mortal Kombat. And uh, the, these fighters kind of get together. It's a few fighters from, from the games. There's about 10 of them, I think, in the movie in total from, from like the original roster of like 20 plus characters. Uh, and along with our main character, Cole Young, who is a new what feels like self-insert fighter in into Mortal Kombat. Everybody else is from the game. Cole Young is not. He's new. Um, any initial impressions on our, on our plot, Andy, on, on kind of what's going so, on with the larger so it's picture? Way it's way too convoluted. Like you're talking about like all the stuff with Outworld and like Earth versus, you know, it, it gets way too in, in the weeds. And it mm -hmm. when I think of what this movie should be like, it should be Kickboxer, like the, the 1988 or whatever movie with Jean-Claude Van. It should be Kickboxer with Sub-Zero and with like characters from the game. Like it should be yeah. that, that, that simple. And it gets really into the weeds about like, oh, you know, you're chosen. Oh, you have the, the mark. And so we, we have to do this tournament. But it, it just gets so complicated they never actually get to the tournament. Like, sorry, spoilers. They never get to the tournament in this stupid movie. Andy, it, Andy, come on. It's, it's supposed to be. <laughs> I feel like this is like, because again, that's what the whole thing that Mortal Kombat is, is this deadly yes. tournament. And then we never actually get to the tournament. So there there's definitely, fights. Yeah. There's lots of fights leading up to the tournament. That's that's for sure. Um, yeah. So, okay, we don't do spoilers a lot on this show, I swear. But Andy's right. There isn't actually a Mortal Kombat tournament in this. We get the I, I we get the Outworld like, and the Earth on. fighters leading up to the tournament who basically boil over and fight before the tournament ever actually happens. Director Simon McCoy has said he planned on this essentially being three films. He wanted the first one to be pre-tournament. Second film, all tournament. Third film, post tournament. That's the idea. So he's hoping, along with New Line and Warner Brothers, this will be get greenlit uh, for a sequel. Based on the box office numbers, it probably will, because this came out at the end of the pandemic and people are desperate to watch stuff. It seems like it's working. But beside that, yes, uh, this movie gets way too bogged down in that stuff. I thought a lot of, uh, of, of all movies, uh, Shane Black's Predator, it came out like a year or two ago. Like it overcomplicates what Predator is. Predator should be a bunch of dudes in the jungle 
walking around trying to get away from this invisible beast that they don't stand a chance against. What it turned into is like a bunch of mercenaries who are of escape jail and have to, to do a heist while they have a, like it's just overcomplicated. And this has the same problem. The 95 Mortal Kombat movie, a bunch of people with some weird abilities show up on an island and have to duke it out and they can't figure out why till the end when there's revealed to be a big bad who's trying to take over Earth. Really simple. It follows the kickboxer formula for Jean-Claude Van Damme. This movie way overcomplicates it. We got a, a kid who's an MMA fighter and doesn't want anything to do with this tournament, but has been picked because he has this scar and another guy who's like a mercenary. And that's probably a great place to jump into characters and who we're actually dealing with. Uh, first up, we have Cole Young played by, hold on. I've got IMDb pulled up because most of these a people bunch aren't of no names. Right. Yes. A bunch <laughs> And sorry, Andy, I'm please. Be, I'm going to be and brutal. On it's this. fine. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah. So, so our, our lead Cole Young is played by Lewis Tan, who's done some television work. Uh, we've also got Sonya Blade. I'm just going to roll through character names because if you'd like Mortal Kombat, you'll probably have an idea of who I'm talking about. And if you don't, then it's okay. Sonya Blade. Uh, Kano is played by Josh Lawson, who might be the best performance in the film. He's actually like stunningly good at being like this Australian uh, mercenary asshole kind of character. Um, he's really good. We've got Sub-Zero, Jax. We've got uh, Lord Raiden is in this movie. Scorpion is here. Shang Tsung shows up. Kung Lao, Melina, Liu Kang. There's some decent fighters from Mortal Kombat if you're familiar with it, but almost all of them are played by total nobodies. And that means the performances pretty much all across the board are not great except for a couple standouts yeah i i think the performances aren't great but i also feel the script isn't very good like they're not given a lot to work with um but you know for instance again god i'm gonna bring up godzilla vs kong which is also just a, essentially a monster b movie it has a lot of great actors and and that script isn't great but at least you get some good uh performances we do have have an interesting thing that the movie opens with this kind of rivalry uh this fight between ancient like sub-zero and and scorpion and that is actually really interesting and it's like why wasn't that like the the central thing of throughout, it, like, it the might be the, the best scene in the whole film and it's like the first five minutes <laughs> Yeah, like the opening scene is great, and then like you don't see these characters for the majority uh, of the movie. Um, so there are some some nice ideas, but just you know the 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 kind of badassery of those two characters doesn't translate to anyone else. Like uh, like Sonya Blade just looks like you know someone who goes to the gym a lot. Kano doesn't look like a fighter. By the way, he is actually really funny. Uh, he's played by a guy named Josh. Josh Lawson. Lawson. Yeah, he's um, he's like the best. He's probably the best in the film. He's he's the comic relief. He's actually really good. He's got a lot of funny one-liners. But as far as like fighting, like he doesn't really do much fighting, and he doesn't look like a fighter at at any no. at any time. And uh, again, everyone else just looks like actors doing choreography. It doesn't look. I mean, even even something like a Marvel movie is has better action fight scenes than what we're getting here. Yeah, and it's a shame. Um, you know, Mortal Kombat everybody's kind of got um seem seemingly unique powers. The film tries to explain this, which it shouldn't. That, that's a mistake. Uh the the 95 film never tried to do this. They explain these these powers not as metachlorians, but as arcanas. I think where like your every or something. Yeah, every Mortal Kombat fighter as they start to train for the for the tournament they're they're going to be fighting and they develop like some kind of ability and they just kind of get it. Yeah, it's like their chi or their their, you know, whatever. Uh Kano ends up with this weird ability to shoot a laser out of his eye, which is reflective of his character Kano in the games who has like a laser eye. Uh Lewis Tan playing Cole Young our lead gets this kind of like 
body armor that seems to like absorb kinetic energy and then he can blast it back at people with these kind of like night night stick things he's got one of them's got a blade on it everybody's kind of got some basic skills nobody's got anything outstanding the best fighters are the ones who are pre-existing from the games who are already established they don't have to explain them at all uh you know kung lao shows up with the sick hat with like the the saw on the end of it you know what he's about goro shows up and he's got four arms and he's huge you know what he's about like it's pretty easy to see what's going to happen and we get some good cgi effects and we get some decent one-off camera shots i think for the fights you can see him in the trailers is a great bit where Jax is trying to shoot a gun at Sub-Zero and Sub-Zero catches the gun and the bullet freezes on the way to him. Little stuff like that is great, but 90% of the fights are really poorly shot with way too much coverage, with the camera zoomed way too far out and too many cuts and poor choreography in combination with that, with actors who don't seem to be committed enough to it to really pull off like a convincing performance means almost every fight in this movie feels canned and a little lame. Cool, cool powers in there but like ultimately the fights themselves aren't that cool yeah exactly they're just not fun or or entertaining and they they should have leaned one way or the other they either should have gone no powers at all and just kept it really grounded or leaned into it more and it i mean it kind of turns a little bit into a superhero thing but yes it would have been a little bit more they should have leaned into it a little bit more they kind of end up somewhere in the middle where like the powers look really kind of cheesy and like the basic fight you know hand-to-hand combat stuff is just really really lame and not not convincing to anyone yeah we also need to talk about the gore uh this is an r-rated film and mortal Kombat is infamously a very gory series of video games this movie pulls no punches that way um in that first 10 minutes just that opening scene uh where scorpion is getting down to it with some guys he, he 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 beheads like four people and it's all on screen and there's a ton of blood and it's 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 pretty gratuitous it's a little I'm going to go on a limb and say the gore effects are a little cheap. They remind me of John Wick 1, but you get the point. Like, it's it's not perfect CGI, but it works. There's lots of blood. They're chopping heads off. They're, they're removing limbs. And that stuff's pretty good. You definitely get some decent-looking fatalities at the end, by the way. Um, I know a lot of people said there's no fatalities in this movie. That's not true. There are. Um, each character in Mortal Kombat has what's called a fatality at the or a series of fatalities. At the end of a fight, uh, they get one opportunity to knock out their opponent. And if they put in the right combo of buttons and, and, and button mashes and presses with their joysticks, they can do like a cool special move. A few of those moves are featured in this movie. Uh, Kung Lao chops a person in half in a pretty gory scene. Uh, Kano rips somebody's heart out. That's a fatality. Those are in here. You get some combos and you get some decent camp stuff as well in the fights. I want to mention in a second, but Andy, any hot, any hot takes on the gore? Uh, I mean, not enough is what I, I thought. Um, and, and you're right. Like it, it is, it, it's heavily CGI. So it's not yeah. super convincing. I, I kind of wanted it. I was looking for like real deal body horror, like, you know, bone, <laughs> bone breaking, poking out of the skin kind of thing. Like it's a real kind of yeah. down to earth, uh, body horror. We don't get that. Um, and the other thing, it's a weird mix because you have these, a couple of really gory endings, but then it, it feels weird because you have really tame, lame, uh, fight scenes before them. So it's not really, you know, yeah, to, it, to, it's to re- just off balance. 
to ramp up for this, I was I was on YouTube and I watched Chris Stuckman's review of this movie and he said it great. He was like, 90% of this movie feels like a PG-13 romp and then the other 10% is just unnecessarily graphic because it feels like it's supposed to be and it doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, it, most of the movie feels like it's trying to be a Marvel movie. Like, oh, we have these guys with powers and then randomly one of them will be murdered horribly in a fight and then it'll bounce right back to like light and airy and it doesn't really like fit tonally um, and I'm not sure i think andy's right they just didn't lean one way or the other maybe they should have gone more more body horror and for god's sake more practical effects i want to see some gallons of fake blood on screen yeah you know? instead of a lot of it just felt like cgi and it doesn't really sell the way it needs to yeah yeah you're you're exactly right where it just it, it's so so much a movie like you said feels it feels pg-13 and it's uh you just kind of have these mediocre characters and like like you said pg-13 fight scenes until the very end and so then it just right. it, it's weird and then it just doesn't fit yes um one other thing i do want to talk about about this before i move on um i i want to talk about kind of the camp uh there is some camp in this movie it's it is not all serious like it's played in the trailer in fact you might be surprised to find out how much there is lots of tributes to the video game um makes sense it's what it's based on but i mean you, you you'll go as far as to see a fatality on screen and then a character will like Kano will, will rip somebody's heart out and then turn to the other characters and say his signature voice line from the fatality. Like just doesn't make sense in the world of the film. But if you've seen the video game, it's like a wink and a nod. Like, Oh, I get it. That happens on more than one occasion. I think for the fans of the video game, probably really strong. I think they'll really appreciate that connection. I did for anybody else who has no idea I've, what's happening. They're going to be I mean, completely <laughs> clueless. I was going to say, I mean, I'm a fan of the series and I just thought it was really cheesy and kind of kind of yeah. cringe inducing and I and I hate every video game movie that does this cuz it's like fans of the game like I don't need to see gameplay on screen like what I want from a video game movie is to tell the story that's in the video game like do that I don't need to have like you know button for button re recreations in the film I don't know why they think that that I mean I guess people do like it but I I don't. I just think it, it it definitely takes me out of it. And it hurts video game movies forever becoming like a serious, like taken seriously. Right. The problem with video game movies, just like uh, book adaptations, is is watching the film will never be as fun as playing the game. It just won't be like you can't you can't you cannot get people who are simply in intaking media to also feel the appreciation of how it feels to actively engage with it in a video game when you're driving the character around and making decisions for yourself and ultimately directing your own story that way. Uh, watching the movie is never going to be that. So it's cool. They've got that stuff in there. But ultimately, it falls a little bit flat. Overall, I don't know if this movie... Well, I don't know. Andy, you about ready for recommendations? Yeah, one, one more thing. Uh, we're yeah. going to be talking about uh, Shang-Chi here in the, the trailer park. But that trailer alone had better fight scenes than... And that's kind of a, a kung fu movie as well, but it just it had better fight scenes than this entire movie. Andy did not think very highly of Mortal Kombat. Uh, and that's okay. Andy, would you recommend Mortal Kombat? I would say save it for streaming. It's definitely for the fans. If you if you're a fan of the of the old older movies, if you're a fan of the video game, uh, and if you go in knowing that it's going to be a, a campy film, which is kind of the originals are campy films as as well. So my only issue is that it was sold as a different kind of movie. If it had been sold as camp, I wouldn't have been so kind of uh, felt like I got bait and switch. So I, I would say save it for streaming for the fans only. I'm surprised to hear you say that. I thought you were going to say hard pass, but I'm in the same boat. Uh, definitely stream this film. I'm shocked they bothered adapting it to 3D at all. 
for theaters. I you will get nothing from watching this movie in 3D um, because it's pretty flat and 2D by itself. Uh, I would say don't bother going to see this in a theater. I feel like a lot of people have chalk have like put this one right next to Godzilla versus Kong. It's like oh that's like a goofy popcorn flick. Go see it in theater. It, this one's not. It, it might look like it is on the surface. Don't Godzilla versus Kong. Go see it in a theater. This one pass watch this at home know that it's terrible and you'll probably have a decent time get get some get some beers and and yeah, watch I mean, with some friends yeah like I hang can, out you know i can't deny that people you know a lot of people have enjoyed this film a lot of people have had they've enjoyed the camp they've enjoyed like the the cheesy lines and 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 mediocre fight scenes so like some people are enjoying it and i think in the right setting uh if you're a fan you might i think this would make an excellent drinking game film yes. <laughs> like yeah. like you could put together some some funny stuff there but uh yeah overall it, like i was pretty really excited about this it looked really badass it looked like they were going to take a really kind of mature like logan esque approach actually that's the level of gore we needed um <laughs> yeah and we and we don't uh we just don't really get any of that and uh but it, it's set up for a sequel and it and it looked like you know it did pretty well over the weekend so we'll probably get another one of these in a few years I'm thinking we will likely get another one as well. And I'll go see it, honestly, or watch it at home if it's available. Like, I, I like this enough to give it another shot. But again, I knew going in it was going to be bad. And that's a big part of this. I feel like if you walk in, like, this is going to be, like, you're just going to be disappointed. But if you're thinking, you know what, this isn't going to be that cool, but I'll check it out. It's on HBO. You'll probably have a decent time. Like, I mean that. It's it's not that bad, especially if you like the video game. You could certainly do worse. And with that, we should move on to some upcoming trailers. Uh, Andy has graciously agreed to take the, the the reins on this one. Andy, you want to open us up here? It's time for the trailer part. So the first movie we're going to be talking about is a new Marvel film, really new, uh, opening, I think this might be officially going into phase four. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, I don't know much about uh, this property. It stars uh, Simu Liu as Shang-Chi, the titular character. From the trailer, we, we learn about this character who uh, has been given 10 years to kind of live his life on his own. And, and before, uh, apparently he was trained uh, to be a fighter, uh, to be able to protect himself and his family from you know some evil clan or something, and now that time is up, and that clan is back, and he has to, you know, fight fight the bad guys. We don't get a ton of story details. We get a lot of scenes, a lot of action. We got a we get a lot of really cool fight scenes, a lot of kind of Eastern cultural references. Uh, I don't know if uh, I, I think Shang Chi is is Chinese, um, and the Ten Rings are so, sort of ring rings of power. I think in the comics they're like rings you put on your finger but in, in this they've changed it to like big bracelets uh go on your arms i assume the titular character will get some power from these at some point uh so we get a lot of action we have uh, aquafina's raspy voices in this as well she's the uh com comedic relief comedy relief and she's actually pretty funny i think this looks great i've watched this trailer seven several times it really got me hyped up and excited for what marvel has to bring and that's coming out in september so I think this looks okay. Um, I think I'm a little jaded by, I, I've been watching Falcon Winter Soldier like every week. Uh, so I'm already a little, a little deep in Marvel content lately. So I watched the trailer for this and I was like, okay, yeah, that looks like more Marvel stuff. Um, I hope Shang-Chi is cool 
because I like the cast list. Uh, I think there's some charismatic performances in the trailer. I just don't know enough about the hero, and I'm worrying he's a little, he's straying a little more towards like the Luke Cage end of like hero abilities where he's just a tough guy. And I'm like, I want somebody who's got a little bit more pulp. I want him to lean into that family relationship a little bit with his dad. I like this mention of like, I gave you what, 10 years or something. To yeah, to live your life. Be, like, okay, that's cool. I like Aquafina in there. I'm interested. I want a good final trailer to get me over the finish line. But either way, I'm gonna go see it. Um, I hope it's good stuff, man. I'm 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 definitely interested in Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings. Yeah, like me, your, me too. Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> I was gonna say, I also liked your bit about all the fights in the trailers being better than any of the fights in Mortal Kombat. I disagree, but I I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the yeah, the, the fights look great. I mean, it, it's typical Marvel fight but it's it's you know more like kung fu style uh of a film yeah. and uh yeah some of the action stuff just looks really really awesome um and i'm interested to to kind of get to to learn this new character me too also one more mention one more thing before i jump into the next trailer uh i re- speaking of aquafina i rewatched the farewell this weekend on amazon prime oh, movie's nice. good man 2019 that movie holds up great you should you should go check out the farewell aquafina's first like drama feature anyway our second film we're talking about is a danish film called writers of justice now we just not that long ago did a danish film starring mads mickelson this also (laughs) is a danish film starring mads mickelson this tells the story of marcus who finds out one day that his wife was tragically killed in a subway accident uh he's he's forced to take care of his daughter following that he's he's grizzled he's got a big beard and a shaved head looks like a freaking prison guard uh and and he's doing his thing one day living in grief when a young mathematician arrives on his doorstep who's on the train with his wife and explains that this was no accident and he and his two colleagues team up with marcus to i assume get vengeance on whoever i assume bombed the train the, tra- the trailer doesn't exactly give it away they kind of just give you that bit of tone at the beginning and the rest of it i'm putting piecing together off imdb but looks dark Looks grim and Mads Mikkelsen's underrated. Andy, what do you think? Um, I was really stoked for this trailer. I saw it a few days ago and I was like, we got to talk about this. Um, I think what's a little bit different here is so Mads Mikkelsen is, you know, grizzled army veteran uh, who can kick ass and take names. But he's the kind of crew he's working with are just kind of average working class, like almost like the guys from another round that he was in. And they're part of this, the, the revenge team. And so he kind of has to train them. And they're like, you know, one guy, as you said, is a mathematician. Another guy is like a, you know, a tech expert, uh, you know, the, so they're like laymen. They're not soldiers. They're, they're not tough guys. And so he kind of has to train them to like use weapons and things. And so there's actually a lot of humor with it as well. Uh, but it lo- looks like a, a pretty brutal revenge uh, story. And that's going to be coming out in the, the summer. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like it's coming out really soon. So we'll keep it here on off script for more about Riders of Justice. Uh, Andy, last one. Yes. So during the Oscars was the premiere of the new trailer for West Side Story, uh, which is being directed by Steven Spielberg. This is the first we we've seen of it. Um, It was just uh, the teaser. So we didn't get too much we we got a lot of music we got a lot of just kind of the the look of it which is a much more updated um and if you're not familiar with west side story it's basically romeo and juliet uh in 1950s new york um ansel elgort uh who played baby driver or baby in baby driver uh plays tony and then newcomer rachel zegler is playing uh marita marita <laughs> maria maria uh, um, and, uh, it looks great. I mean, it, it's, it's a 
new updated production like the the street gangs actually look like street gangs uh instead of professional dancers um you know and and the music like i one of the things i love about these these remakes are when they update the music and the score and um the music from west side story is is really well well known um as well so it looks really great It, it looks I'm glad to finally see our, our leads. I'm glad to see kind of the tone of the film. Uh, looks really good, and that's coming out in, in December. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see this one. I've talked about it on the show before, but I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> not really a closet. I, I, I'm I'm definitely a closet musical fan. I think musicals are underrated. There's something about the formula of having to move your plot along via music while also entertain your audience and keep people engaged through three acts that is particularly interesting to me. And every once in a while, you get a bop. You get something sweet like. I don't know, Sweeney Todd. Um, so I'm excited to see this. I'm also excited to see Ansel Elgort doing more of his thing. I like Baby Driver. I still have a Baby Driver poster hanging above my computer with a post-it over Kevin Spacey's face. And I actually <laughs> like West Side Story. Uh, and frankly, and this is the thing I'm most excited about, this looks like actual good Spielberg. Like, I feel like I haven't seen good Spielberg in a minute, man. And I watched this trailer and I was like, oh, oh, this is like quality Spielberg again. This is him doing a passion project that he really wants to. I think Spielberg knows this is a remake. He's not fooling anybody. And it looks like in a lot of ways, he's not trying to like drastically redo what West Side Story is far from it. I think he's paying tribute to what it can be. And it looks really good. I, I'm I'm very interested. This is only a teaser. This is not like a full on In the Heights trailer or anything, but it's definite start. And I really want to see more. I'm excited to see West Side Story at this point. Yeah, same here. Yeah, so we'll have to see. And with that, we should probably move into our... Um, Gosh, the reason everybody's here, right, Andy? Uh, how, do, how, how do we want to introduce this? It's time to talk about the Oscars. All right, so uh, so Sunday was the uh, 90-something, <laughs> uh, 93rd uh, uh, Annual Academy Awards, uh, otherwise known as the Oscars. Hollywood's kind of biggest night uh, where we recognize or where they recognize uh, top films act and acting and a bunch of technical awards as well. I was not able to watch the Oscars because they make it impossible to actually watch. Um, and even last year when I watched it, I had to go to like a bar or something that, that was playing it. Um, so I was not able to watch uh, the show live. So we're mostly just going to talk about uh, the winners and not uh, the show itself, because I honestly haven't seen it or, or haven't heard. I did, other than not having a lot of viewership and having some kind of snafu moments, um, you know, it wasn't a great show. They got a lot to figure out there. Well, let's yeah. start with... Go ahead. Uh, let, but let's start with uh, with our nominees. We're going to start with the big one, uh, Best Picture, which went to Nomadland, uh, directed by Chloe Zhao, which we did um, review on this show. Zach, what do you think about this I'm a little surprised by this one. Um, Nomadland is not a particularly hopeful story. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty bleak. And, it's and, so depressing. <laughs> yeah. And like typically I feel like the best picture winner is going to be something that's a little more positive. Hold on. Christine's going to slide in here and grab something. Sorry for folks watching on Facebook at home. She's she's chill. Don't worry about it. She's cool. So I'm surprised. That's <laughs> why I'm surprised that uh, this one of all things. I, I would have thought Judas and the Black Messiah. Don't get me wrong; that's not exactly a hopeful film either. But there's definitely a message of like strength and unity at the end. Nomadland's just like bleak, man. And I'm I'm surprised to see this one take it. What do you think? 
This whole field is a little on the weak side, honestly. I mean, you got things like Trial of the Chicago 7 and Mank that are good films, but not great films. There's no tenant in here, that's for sure. Yeah, there's no no tenant. Um, my pick would have would have probably been uh, Sound of Metal or Minari o- over the over Nomadland, but I'd heard a lot of buzz. Uh, not real sure why. Uh, Nomadland is a good movie. It is shot very well. It takes a, uh, you know, tells a very, you know, bleak and difficult story you know it's 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 discussing these nomadic people that drive around the u.s kind of living out of their cars and working because there's not much for them to do because they're old and they don't have a lot of uh you know trade skills um and there are there's a lot of great things in this movie but man it is it is bleak but i it it had a lot of buzz and i i heard that it was kind of the the favorite i'm not sure why but that's kind of what it is yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I felt like I, I had kind of gotten the feeling this was going to be the favorite for this year. I, I don't know if it's just because like, oh, Francis McDormand's in it or, oh, it's a, it's a thoughtful piece about American culture. Like, I'm I'm not sure, but, I, you know, hey, it's not easy to win Best Picture. It's an honor just to be nominated, of course. So that's that. And also worth mentioning, your boy uh, Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal definitely scooped up like two or three more acting awards for that movie. Sound of Metal is, dude, that movie's... It's not easy to make the best picture list. That movie's decent. Y'all should go check it out. It's on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. Well, the, the other thing is like, uh, this is one kind of measure of like, if something's really great, like, are we going to be still talking about it in a year or in two years or in five years? And no. most of these movies on this list, I'm not going to be talking about in six months, but things like Sound of Metal and Minari are definitely th- things I'm going to keep talking about. Right. Film, films that really stood out. Uh, best actor in a leading role this year. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe talk about the structure a little bit at the end, but neither of us actually watched the show this year. So we can't really comment on the switch up they had uh, where they had best picture announced and then they did best actress and best actor. Um, there's some theories as to why that happened. Maybe we'll talk about it towards the end. But for this year, best actor in a leading role went to Anthony Hopkins for The Father. Our other nominees were Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Gary Oldman and Mank and Stephen Yoon and Minari. I'm definitely surprised by this. Uh, Hopkins was the oldest actor, I think, ever to win Best Actor, right? At 83 years Mm -hmm. old, he was not present at the awards. He could not phone in via Zoom. He was sleeping soundly at his home in Wales (laughs) and issued a brief video accepting it after the fact. Um, I did not think he was going to win. I get the feeling a lot of people didn't think he was going to win either. Yeah, I mean... I haven't seen The Father, and I really need to to more accurately judge, but he has not been in the, the discussions about the best uh, kind of performance this year. Most most of the the top two were going to be Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal and Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, not only because it's a great performance, but also because Chadwick Boseman sla- sadly passed away this year. So those were the kind of two in contention. So Anthony Hopkins kind of out of, out of nowhere, really surprising. And again, I have to see it, but I, I've heard it's good, but there were better performances this year. Definitely. And and I, I normally I would say, Hey man, Riz Ahmed, you know, really did a good job in sound of metal, but I don't know if he, I don't know if he's at best actor material, but again, like the, he won the golden globe for best actor, which is typically an indicator of who's going to win this. Like he did. It's a, it's a real good performance. Um, 
I'm I'm bummed. I, I wish Gary Oldman could have scooped it for Mank, but ultimately that film was just emotionally desolate. There's just not a lot there to go on. And Steven Yeun's great in Minari, but maybe he just doesn't have that many lines. I don't know. Supposedly, from what I've read on the internet, man, Hopkins kills it in The Father. It is like a stunningly good, like career-defining performance. And if you, like us, would like to watch The Father, you can rent it on premium VOD for only $20, which is why oh, we haven't watched it for the show yet. Ah! When it's like seven, I'll rent it. I swear, I'll go for it. But right now, I can't. I just can't do it. I can't do yeah. it, Andy. Same here. Same here. Yeah. Uh, moving on to best actress in a leading role. Uh, the nominees were Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Wo- Woman, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a, of a Woman, Andre Day in The United States versus Billie Holiday, Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and the winner went to Frances McDormand. No surprise here for Nomadland. Um, Frances McDormand is like, she does do uh, an incredible job in that role. Uh, I did think that the, the other two, um, I, kn- I know that Andre Day was, was heavily favored and I thought that Viola Davis would win for a Ma Rainey's Black Potter, but I'm also not surprised that Frances because Frances McDormand is great. Yeah. One, she's, she's actually a very, very tremendous actress and that's worth mentioning Two, I think the, the, the Academy loves her. I mean, she, she scooped up three billboards outside Epic, Missouri just a couple of years ago. Uh, and obviously she's been prevalent as far as far back as like the Coen brothers Fargo. Right. Uh, and, and three, it's worth mentioning a lot of the people in Nomadland are not actors. They are actual factual nomads. They're people who do this for a living. And Frances McDormand had to travel around the country with them, get to know them, act act alongside them, carry performances for, for a chunk of that film with them. So that's a lot of work. And the Academy always loves people who put in the work, right? Look at Leonardo DiCaprio scooping The Revenant. I mean, they, they love that stuff. Like the, if, you're, if you're out working hard, um, they respect that. So, you know. Great for her, I guess. Solid win. I also thought I was going to go to Viola Davis, so that's what it is. Uh, Best actress and best actor in supporting. Andy, we need to talk about these, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Uh, Best actress in supporting role went to Yu Jung Yoon from Minari. Uh, That was the winner. Uh, The other films nominated were Borat, subsequent movie, movie film, Hillbilly Elegy, The Father, and Mank, uh, I can talk about who was nominated in each one of those, but I'll bet you can guess. <laughs> you can just think of the prominent female actresses in those films who weren't quite leading, and that's exactly who was nominated. So I'm a little surprised by this one, honestly. Uh, I just am. I know last year, Olivia Coleman, who was nominated for The Father this year, won Best Actress for, oh, no, it wasn't last year, a couple years ago, for The Favorite, right? She was Best yeah. Actress overall. So I kind of figured she might scoop it. Um I'm going to be honest, and, and this is this is sounds bad, but I feel like I had assumed the, the Academy would not pick a, a actress who's not born in America for this. And I'm surprised that they did and good for them. And they should. So I'm glad I, I kind of looked at Yu Jung Yoon and I was like, mm, I don't know. I think I think it's a bunch of old white racists that run the Academy and maybe <laughs> there are. But this year they picked, you know. They, they, they rose above that, and that's what's important. A really solid win for her. She just totally deserves it. Right. So she played the grandmother in uh, Minari, who moves to the uh, Alabama or, or wherever it is, um, with with uh, the family. Really good performance. I actually I, I thought that maybe uh, Maria Bakalova would win for Borat, subsequent movie film. But also, you know, the Oscars have this kind of, you know, thing of uh, idea of self-importance and there was no way they were they were going to give borat <laughs> an oscar right it just wasn't going to happen 
Moving on to uh, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, uh, we had Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago 7, and Daniel Kaluuya, who won for Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, This is kind of complicated because both him and Lakeith Stanfield were both nominated in Supporting Role, and they're both kind of the lead in the movie, so it... I was worried that they was going to split the vote and neither of them uh, were going to win. But um, Daniel Kaluuya definitely uh, deserved a really incredible performance there. Yeah. Um, the only thing that frustrates me about this category is that Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield were both in it because that means only one of them could win. Um, they were both really tremendous in those films. I don't know if Daniel Kaluuya would have won Best Actor had he been nominated for just Best Actor and not Best Supporting Actor. Um, but I... Man, I really like Lakeith Stanfield. I was really hoping he'd win this one. <laughs> but I get it. I, I, Daniel Kaluuya ultimately has the stronger performance in the film. I mean, a solid, solid category. And again, Sacha Baron Cohen for Trial of Chicago 7. I just feel like they couldn't let Borat be on the, the, the ticket this year. So. Yeah, and, and, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a great actor. All of them are great actors. So, so solid picks. Uh, best director this year went to Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, which also won Best Picture. Other categories include, or other other uh, nominees include Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, that Mads Mikkelsen movie we were talking about earlier, Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman, David Fincher for Mank, and Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. Um, really solid categories. I'm really surprised to see Another Round up for best director. Um, you know, we watched that just a few weeks ago and, and I enjoyed it a lot, but I, I don't know if I would say, Hey, this is one of the best directed films of the year. It turns out the Academy felt differently. Um, and ultimately close you out for Nomadland, I think is a good fit because again, it is, it was not an easy movie to make very clearly. Um, and it shows, I mean, she, she killed it. Next up, she's doing Marvel's the Eternals. Things are coming up green. All things are coming up Chloe, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other, uh, kind of big news with this, this is only the second, a woman to win best director since um, Catherine Bigelow won for the Hurt Locker back in 2007 or eight. Um, So while that's, and the Academy wants to pat themselves on the back for that, but in 93 years, only two women have, have won, which is kind of absurd, but it's a step in in the right direction. And I'm uh, glad that Chloe Zhao won. Yeah, huge. Also, uh, a director of color, which does not happen often, right? Typically, it's traditionally Caucasian directors, so good for them. Again, we need more diversity, and I think that's a win for everybody. Uh, Adapted screenplay, Andy, you want to uh, take a swing at it? Yeah, so best adapted screenplay is uh, what the nominees were The White Tiger, One Night in Miami, Nomadland, uh, Borat's subsequent movie film, and uh, the winner was The Father, which again, I haven't seen, so I, I have a hard time. Um, I didn't realize Borat would be adapted, but but I guess the character has been adapted uh, kind of in general. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'd love what to talk it, about The Father, but I haven't seen it. So that's right. uh, that's kind of my bit. Um, you know, but solid. I, I'm also a little surprised. Well, no, I guess I knew Nomadland was... was uh, adapted because that was originally based on a book of the That's same. That's right. Name. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, you know, and Hey, I'm glad one night in Miami got nominated. I know Regina King directed that film and, and she didn't write the, I don't, I, I don't think she wrote the screenplay, but I'm glad to see it at least making it on here a little bit. Regina King's cool. I hope she, I hope she continues making cool movies. Uh, best original screenplay ended up going to promising young woman written by Emerald Fennel, the director. Uh, other nominees include Judas and the black Messiah, Minari sound of metal and the trial of the Chicago seven color me surprised. Andy, I did not think this movie would win the Academy award for writing this year when I was reviewing it and saying, I think this movie is written poorly. 
I probably need to go back and revisit <laughs> Promising Young Woman, look at it with a fresh fresh set of eyes because I um I don't know. I, I honestly I really thought this one was going to go to Sound of Metal. I thought it was such a smart script. Yeah, I, I agree. I also thought it would it would go to Sound of Metal or Aaron Sorkin would get it because of being Aaron Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin being, Sorkin, a re- yeah. being a recognizable name. So Promising Young Woman has been I just I think we've been very divisive. You know, people are kind of all about it and really like it or kind of on the other side. And I'm definitely on the other side where I don't think it's a great movie. I don't, th- I think it's got a lot of problems like you. I don't think the writing particularly stood out. You know, it is really good that it is bringing up or addressing a very difficult uh, subject in sexual assault. And that is very important, but I think it's got a lot, a lot of problems. And I think there were, you know, there were better screen screenplays, but the Academy chose it. And that's still that that's, you know, one of the first ever w- women to uh, win best original screenplay. Maybe the first I'll need to look, look that up. Yeah. M- moving on to uh best costume design. Um, we can kind of go through these quickly. Went to Ma Rainey's black bottom. Nah, uh, that is a great, great movie. Other, uh, other nominees were Emma, which needs a full stop, uh, Mank, Mulan, and uh, Pinocchio. Uh, Zach, yes, go ahead. Emma needs a full stop because technically the title has a period at the end. It's not listed here in this list we're reading off of, but Emma does require a full stop, similar to uh, Darren Aronofsky's Mother, because it has a exclamation point <laughs> at the end. Right. Uh, snub for Emma, in my opinion. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom has some great costumes, but dude, I, like, I liked Emma so much, and and I thought it was really period and felt really appropriate, and I, mm-hmm. uh, I wish it gotten some love. Really clever designs in that movie, but that's pretty much all I have to say about costume design. Any hot takes on this one? No, I'm ready to go on. Best original score went to Soul, the Disney Plus film. No surprise, as a music-based film. Uh, the music was handled by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Chalk that up with another Oscar for those guys. Who would, have, who would have ever thought the guys from Nine Inch Nails would be killing it at the Academy Awards? Other nominees include Defy Bloods, Mank, Minari, and News of the World. And the, other, the only other thing I have to say about this is Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross also did the score for Mank, which means these guys were nominated for two Academy Awards in the same year. That is a stunning, stunning year for otherwise really, really tremendous uh, uh, music auteurs. Andy? So Soul, I think, definitely deserved to win, but I will still say it's a tragedy that Tenet was not nominated for Best Original Score. It's probably the best score I've heard all year and maybe in the last uh, few years. Really memorable. It's in my soundtrack playlist on, on Spotify. The rest of these, I cannot tell you what like i just don't remember anything from them the five bloods don't remember the score mank don't remember it even having a score minari did have a good score news of the world completely forgettable so a lot of these you know it it, a lot of times it's just about oscar campaigning and how much is done and i know that tenet was not heavily campaigned for but uh ludwig uh gorenson who did the score for tenet is really being overlooked here yeah, uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Two points. One, Andy's on Spotify now. And if you have the means, you should totally go follow him and check out his soundtrack playlist. It's pretty dope. And two, Mank got a good score. Shut up, Andy. Mank, Mank got a great score. You just don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Best uh, animated. I'm the theme. I'm the theme for Mank. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know they played it all on old instruments. So I'm the theme. That's too much. How dare you call me out on my own? Po- How could you? Uh, what do I jump into next? Best animated we- short, best live action short, documentary feature. Do- do- uh, why don't you jump into documentary? Sure. Best documentary feature went to My Octopus Teacher. Uh, other nominees include Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, and Time. I love a good documentary. I've watched none of these this year. I really wish I could <laughs> I say know, I've me, watched more. 
Me too, and I don't know how that is considering there was so much on streaming and we couldn't leave the house. I haven't even heard of most of these, uh, so maybe some homework for off script. We can go back and start revisiting these, and we got some slow, slow weeks coming up. I, I have heard of my octopus teacher, which is uh, an it's on Netflix, and it's uh, about a guy who works with an octopus, and apparently he learns a lot from the octopus. Um, Crip Camp is I just know uh, it's about a camp for disabled children, something like that. That those Makes are kind sense. of the only. Only it's it's not like gang related. No, oh, right. I didn't even put that together. No, I definitely thought it was short for. I I assume short for cripple, uh, which is you know, not great. Uh, what else do you want to jump into? Um, best international uh, feature film. Um, the well, let me <laughs> actually let me just go with the um, winner, which is uh, another round from Denmark, which uh, we did review on on the show. Uh, some of the nominees were Hong Kong uh, from Hong Kong, a film called Better Days Collective from uh, Romania, The Man Who Sold His Skin from Tunisia, and uh, Kovadis Aida from Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, another round, great great film. We reviewed it on the show. Solid pronunciation on Bosnia and Herzegovina. I can't even do it. Yeah, another round. Rock solid. Uh, it's on Hulu. You can go watch it now. Uh, don't be afraid of watching films with subtitles. They're good for you. It's like eating your vegetables. Best sound went to Sound of Metal. How appropriate. Other nominees include Greyhound, a Tom Hanks movie. News of the World, also a Tom Hanks movie. Mank and Soul. The only other one I thought had a chance here was Soul. Um, but I'm really pleased Sound of Metal took this one. They did some really great sound work in that film. Yeah, one of the things that's amazing about Sound of Metal, and one of the reasons I'm going to be talking about it for, for years to come, is because the sound design is meant to make you feel like uh, Ruben, the main character uh, played by Riz Ahmed, who who goes deaf and, you know, very slowly, you know, he loses his hearing and he has to learn to become deaf. And you go on the journey along with him with, with sound, with, you know, his frustration when he, when he sees people's mouths moving, but he can't hear what they're saying, can't understand them. He can't be understood himself. It's a really, really incredible insight into what that, like being deaf and deaf culture. And it's um, really incredible. Yeah. Really fantastic sound editing. Um, yeah. The, the way the sound just kind of gets sucked out of that film, like slowly over time is, is really fantastic in, in collaboration with the subtitles, which are all very intentional. Um, really fun watch experience, man. This is a glowing sound of metal review. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I really, that would have been my ch- choice to win most everything. It won, it won a few here. It wasn't so bad. Um, jumping into what do you want to jump into next? Editing. Yep. Also, sound of metal. Uh, yeah, who who was the, the the winner? Um, good editing in that film. Other nominees were included: The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, I'm not too surprised by this. The only thing I'm surprised by here, honestly, uh, is Tenet wasn't nominated and won. Um, dude, the editing in Tenet is so good. I was talking to Christine about it this morning. Their shots, in, I've seen it twice now. Their shots in Tenet, like, I still don't know how they did it. And I edit videos for a living. Like, you'd think I would be able to figure this out. And, like, it's some really stunning stuff. So, bum that's not on here. But Sound of Metal, I mean, again, great sound editing, great film editing. It comes together. Yep. And with that, we're going to move on to Best Cinematography, which went to Mank. No surprise there. Really incredible kind of recreation of the Citizen Kane 1940s style. Other nominees were Judas and the Black Messiah, News of the World, Nomadland, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Zach, your, your boy Mank on the board. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, finally some <laughs> some representation. Yeah, no, uh, Mank is, I've talked about a lot on the show before, David Fincher's new film. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I have not... <laughs> 
I can't hum the theme. Um, but yeah, it's some really great black and white cinematography here and some really uh, brilliant work to make this kind of old Hollywood come to life on the screen to, to, to make us feel like we were right next to when Citizen Kane was penned, um, I think is really tremendous. And some, some really good in-camera work as well. Um, best visual. Oh, one more thing while I mention it. News of the World is on here again. You know, I'm starting to think. Maybe I should say this for the end. No, I'm just going to go for it. I'm already too far in. The, they, Warner Brothers claims the reason Tenet was not nominated for a lot of Oscars is because Christopher Nolan told them to push all of their Oscar marketing budget into theatrical marketing, right? Just take any money you would have spent on marketing this movie to the Oscars, push it to theaters, get people in to see Tenet. That's what they say. Sounds like a PR answer, right? I feel like news of the world went the exact opposite way. It's a mediocre film that had a limited marketing budget, but they put a ton of money into marketing it to the Oscars. Like, let's get this thing nominated as we can. It should not. I, Dude, you're going to see News of the World in Walmart DVD bins in like two years, and it's going to say at the top, like, nominated for seven Academy Awards. And like, that is such a farce. That movie is not an Academy Award worthy it's so film. For, it's so forgettable. It's so, yeah, it's so cut rate. Like, okay, anyway, I sorry. I just, I keep seeing News of the World on here and I had to get that <laughs> out of here. Yes, best visual effects goes to Tenet. Christopher Nolan finally picks one up. Other nominees include Love and Monsters, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, and the one and only Ivan Andy. What an appropriate category for Tenet to win. Yes. Now, now this is well-deserved. Uh, Tenet had, you know, while the, the story and movie kind of have some plot issues, uh, the visual effects were really incredible. Tenet, or sorry, Christopher Nolan is always really good t- about bringing new things to the screen, thinking up things that you haven't seen or haven't been done before. Uh, of course, as many people know by now, the, the big kind of gimmick intended are things going backwards and forwards in time at the same time. And so you have backwards fight scenes, backwards uh, heists and chases, uh, backwards car chases. Um, Really incredible how they filmed a lot of this. And, uh, you know, it's definitely some things I've never seen before. So well-deserved. Yes, uh, totally agreed. (laughs) Moving on to best animated feature film, Uh, kind of our last of our big categories. The winner was Soul. Uh, Pixar Soul, uh, not a surprise to anyone, well-deserved. Other nominees included Onward, also a Pixar film, Over the Moon, uh, a Shaun of the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, and Wolf Walkers. Um, no surprise, there's Pixar always a heavy hitter when it when it comes to the Oscars, and, and Soul's a, g- a great film, so well-deserved. Yep, same. I, I Nobody was surprised by that. I feel like that's like, <laughs> if you were doing one of those Oscar, Oscar bingo cards at like an Oscar watch party, um, that would be the free space in the middle. Like, what's going to win Best Animated? It's Soul. Like, obviously. It's the better of the two Pixar films that came out this year. It is rare that Pixar loses, and usually it's to a really, really uh, lucrative studio like the one that made Wolfwalkers. Um, you know, I'm bummed Wolfwalkers didn't get over the mark, but I mean, Soul came out for free on Christmas. What do you expect? The last category I think we're talking about, there's not even really a whole lot to talk about here, is Best Makeup and Hairstyling that went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Other uh, nominees include Emma, Hillbilly Elegy, Mank, and Pinocchio. Three things here. One, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom has tremendous makeup and hairstyling. Vi- Viola Davis is transformed in that film. She doesn't even look like who she really is. And that totally makes sense to me to win. Two, I still think Emma was snubbed. That movie's got some great stuff going on. Really solid makeup, hairstyling, and costuming. And I'm bummed it but lost in both categories, but it's an honor just to be nominated. And three, when I see Hillbilly Elegy nominated here, all I think of is like Glenn Close's awful like Afro looking thing she's got. Her, Hillbilly her Elegy. Give me, her give me an, an Oscar. Yeah, um, her like crack costume. pipe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the other thing about yeah. Emma, I do want to. I think the reason Emma is has gotten forgotten is because it essentially came out like over a year ago. It came out February 2020 before the pandemic, and they pushed the Oscar eligibility forward. So it's kind of you know it's a 12, 13 month old film, which is a little bit old for a lot of the stuff, and I think it's just kind of a little bit out of sight, out of out of mind. Yeah, I did want. I did want to talk about uh, Best Original Song real quick. Oh, yeah. um, the winner was uh, Fight For You from Judas and the Black Messiah, which I don't really remember, but I wanted yeah, hum, to... Hum the theme to Judas and the Black Messiah. Hum it, hum it. <laughs> yeah, but I did <laughs> want to mention that uh, a song from the comedy Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, Husevic, uh, which was the comedy with uh, Rachel McAdams and uh, Will Ferrell, Will, Will Ferrell. Um, so they had a song, although the only one I can remember there from that is Ya Ya Ding Dong. Ya Ya Ding Dong. <laughs> that's the only one I can remember from there. And that's the Oscars. Th- those are the, the winners and uh, non-winners, and uh, not losers, uh, for, for, from this year. What a weird showing following the pandemic, right? I mean, that's that's really the big takeaway for me. Because for, for 15 months, we've been talking about how the hell are they going to do the Academy Awards? They extended the window. They moved stuff around. They hired a director to come in and really run everything. They moved it to Union Station. They did the whole thing without a host. And again, I really wish I could talk more about that, but I didn't see it, so I can't. Um, but I'm still impressed at what they managed to put together as far as these categories go. Of course, there's snubs. Of course, there's victories uh, in places where we didn't expect them. Ultimately, not a bad show, I guess. Um, but my God, I, I, I can tell you exactly what they need to get more viewers next year. Andy, what did you think? Um, like I said, it was a weird year. A lot of movies didn't come out that were supposed to come out, which would have maybe changed a lot. A lot of big blockbusters uh, were avoided. I mean, I, I think West Side Story is actually supposed to come out the last year um, yeah. in, in, de- in December. So... It was a weird, weird year. At the same time, that made way for a lot of smaller films, things that maybe people wouldn't have seen or gotten a lot of attention. Um, but I, again, I think award shows are really kind of an old school thing that you got to revamp, you got to update. I don't know if you need, you need to get Ninja or put it on Twitch or, or what you got to do. Um, but you got to up, update it somehow to get people interested in it. Because as yeah. someone, as as a movie lover myself, of someone who actually likes watching all three and a half hours of the Oscars, I, a, I couldn't and B, I'm like, it's just got to be more accessible. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so firmly in the same camp. I, I, I told Andy, like on Oscars night, I was sitting in my living room from the, ent- during the entire broadcast with nothing to do. And I had a television, a smart TV. I, I've, I've got a phone an iPad. I got a PC. I got two video game, con- three video game consoles that are all probably capable of streaming services. And I got super fast internet over here and none of it did me any good because to watch the Oscars, I would have had a, I would have had to have a 60 plus dollar subscription to a service that ultimately I don't want. And that's absurd. Like they've got to figure out a way to get this to the masses, right? Put it on Twitter or Twitch or Disney plus for God's sake, like get it somewhere where people can watch it and engage with it. And you get some buzz back. Cause if they keep doing this, I, what, What's it going to be? The Oscars podcast that I still can't listen to? Like, they're going to run out of money. I, I don't well, know. I, I think because the view, because ultimately it comes down to advertising. You know, it's a big show. You want to sell ads to a big audience. But when your audience tanks and is less, is only about 10 million when it's usually 25 million plus, uh, that's, that hurts. That That's really hurting them monetarily. And hopefully that will convince them to, they got to do something different because you could have easily t- uh, streamed that to a larger audience. 
Right. And 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 for for anybody out there it's like, well, they've got this format with with commercials. They could run those. You could run ads on Twitch, work it out. Amazon would get a cut, I don't know. Do it's Disney Plus. Like there there's a way to make that work. There's a fiscal model that benefits everybody here. They just aren't embracing it. And I don't I I feel like after this year when you you're less than half of what the number has been in every year previous, you've got to take a step back and realize okay, we need to do something different. So Hopefully there's some groundwork for that. I, I hope I can watch the Oscars next year. I'd really love to. But that's the 2021 Oscars. And that's our show, I think. Andy, what are we watching next week? We got a couple of new streaming features um, on Amazon Prime. Coming out this Friday is the new Michael B. Jordan, Tom Clancy film, Without Remorse. Um, that's an action espionage things. Uh, like I said, with Ma- Michael B. Jordan, that looks pretty good. And the other one is an animated feature called Mitchell's versus the machines, which was originally c- entitled connected, um, which was supposed to come out last fall. And because of, uh, Pandora things, uh, Panorama things, Panda Express, Panda we, Express. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it didn't, but that will be coming out on Netflix and that's an animated family, uh, film looks like a lot of fun. I think, is it, is it, a Lord Miller, Chris Miller? I think so. That group. Yeah. The people who did the Lego Lego movie. Yeah. I think so. Um, Yeah. For for anybody who didn't see it, the trailer for Connected came out just before the pandemic and actually looks super good. And since they've changed the name and put it on Netflix, there's a couple new trailers out. But like that movie at least presents decent on its face. So I'm kind of excited to see it. And uh, without remorse, honestly, until Andy said it was the Michael B. Jordan movie coming on Amazon, I had completely forgotten because the title is so forgettable. Hopefully the plot is much more exciting. If you enjoyed the show today, if you like Mortal Kombat or maybe, maybe agree with what we were saying about it, if you want to know more about our Oscars coverage, maybe want to check out Andy's cool Spotify playlist, Hit us up at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. Uh, we take emails and correspondence over there. Anything you'd like, send us uh, send us what you got. We'll probably read it over over on the show live. Uh, we, of course, are reachable on our website, offscriptfilmreview.com, where episodes, interviews, additional content is posted every single week. We're on Facebook, where we live stream the show every Tuesday at 4.30 p.m., well, about 5 p.m. CST. Who are we kidding? Uh, and you can follow our page there. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube. And uh, we're on all our usual podcast spaces. So if there's anything you can do for the show, I'm, I'm going to throw this one back at you for a second. If there's anything you can do for us, right? just <laughs> subscribe. Just subscribe to Offscript Film Review to get new episodes every single week. And that might be a lot to ask if that's too much. Just do us a solid. Just throw a five-star rating on there. Just scroll down on iTunes or Android, wherever you're at. Click five stars, then you take off, man. We're never going to see you again. That's it. We're done. We've exchanged our we've exchanged our differences. But otherwise, thank you for listening to Offscript Film Review, the home of bold cinema. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching. <laughs>